This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi guys, welcome again to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's going to podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. Uh, we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you can find the podcast on YouTube and watch the video portion there. You can also find it on audio anywhere you can get your podcasts. We're so thankful that you guys have uh, found the podcast and are listening. We uh, encourage you guys to uh, put a review anywhere that you listen, whether it's on YouTube, leave a comment, or uh, whether it's on Facebook or, or Instagram or, or Apple Podcasts, leave a review or comment there for us, and we would uh, very much appreciate that. All right, so moving forward. Our topic for today, I'm sorry, <laughs> I changed it again because I, I wasn't I wasn't ready for the other one yet. There's so much more I have to study for that. Um, but for this one, I was thinking about, you know, this last night as I was um, driving home uh, from worship. What could I do? What what type of topic, you know, needs to be um, needs to be discussed in a sense. And so I'm I'm going through and I'm reading a couple books and I'm reading a couple things and then I, I see a phrase, right? And the phrase is, I'm not good enough. And I was like, that's it. That's it right there. So that's what we're going to do. So today we're going to look at the topic, I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy. So if I, if I had a dollar for every time that I've heard variations of this, of I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy, I'd be a rich man. <laughs> I'd be I'd be rich. Right? So I mean, people don't necessarily say I'm not good enough. Sometimes people don't necessarily say I'm not worthy, but they'll they'll say it in different ways. And so many times for us as Christians, we look at ourselves spiritually and we tell God, I'm not good enough. You know, we tell God, I'm not worthy. And we open up the Bible, we know we open up the scripture and we read, you know, it's it's beautiful pages and so many things are revealed to us of what we can do to get better. But with each chapter, instead of looking at what I need to do to improve, I compare the chapter or I compare the person or I compare Jesus to my situation and who I am. And then I get discouraged and I say, I can't do it. And so we'll say things like this. Well, I can't serve the Lord or be happy because of my family dynamic. Well, I can't serve the Lord because of my past. So how can I be accepted by God? But then how also can I be accepted by my brethren too for what I used to do? Well, I don't know. I don't know how to get better. No one's ever been there to teach me. No one's ever given me that effort. No one's ever me, ever tried to help me grow. So I don't even know how to do it. No one's really helped me before. So this might be you. And so if it is, this podcast is just for you. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you today that you are good enough. I want to encourage you today that you are worthy. But we're going we're gonna to look at a few things and hopefully the scriptures can do that. And so as we think about this, guys, isn't it ironic that we say we're not good enough for the Lord and we say we're not good enough for the Lord's people, 
but we are good enough for work. We are good enough for non-Christians. We are, see, the thing about being good enough, it's a mindset. So you are good enough for what you want to be good enough for. I'll say that again. You are good enough for what you want to be good enough for. So the question becomes, so how can I change my mindset if this is me? So we're going to look at a couple things here. Here's the first one. So number one, talking about this topic of I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy. Number one, being good enough and being worthy has nothing to do with what you actually do. Being good enough and being worthy has nothing to do with what you do. So in our thinking, we believe that if we accomplish something, if we gain something, or if we work hard enough at something, then we're worthy of it because I put in the work. So I'm worthy of that thing. See, God expects us to work. He expects us to bear fruit. But the thing about it is our worthiness is not found in us. Our worthiness is found in Christ, even though he still expects us to work and he still expects us to bear fruit. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at this. Look at Luke chapter 15. Open up your Bibles there with us. And again, uh, we like to open up our Bibles on the podcast and and see what the Bible says. You can go back and check for yourself uh, just so you can see that this is not just, you know, my thinking. You know, this is from Scripture. So uh, let's look at this. Luke chapter 15 and let's start in verse 29. Now, we know the account of the prodigal son. And so essentially, the prodigal son gets his inheritance early from his father. He goes off and he lives a riotous life, basically parties, does what he wants to do. He finds himself working with someone that works with pigs, and now he's eating eating the pig slop because all his money ran out. So then he realizes while he's at his lowest point that he needs to come back home. So now this is where we are. So he comes back home, and so now he sees his father, but then notices he sees the oldest brother. Now remember, <clears throat> we're talking about being good has nothing to do with what you do talking about your worthiness. So watch this. Watch how we break this down. Verse 29, talking about the older brother. And he answering said to his father, look how many years I serve thee. Neither transgressed I any time at your commandment. Yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which devoured thy living with harlots and has killed for him the fatted calf. And he said, son, Thou art forever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost, and now is found. So talk about this idea of worthiness, right? So if our worthiness was all dependent on our actions and what we did, then the younger son in Luke 15 wouldn't have been accepted. And the oldest son would have had the party thrown for him if it's all about what we do. Because if you look back at the text, notice verse number 29, look, he said, look how many years I serve thee. Neither did I transgress at any time your commandment. So the oldest son didn't sin. The oldest son stayed home and did what he was supposed to do. But the youngest son, he lived a riotous life but he received a merriment when he came back. So in our minds today, 
which Christian do you think would reserve, would receive the most praise? The one who stayed and did what he was supposed to do or the Christian who left and came back? Which one deserves the most praise? See, the questions, the answer is both. Because notice verse 31, he said to the older son, you're ever with me and everything that I have is yours. So the oldest son, he was worthy. He was good because he was doing what he was supposed to do. But watch verse 32. But it was meet or it was necessary that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So the oldest son, by not sinning, the oldest son, by staying and doing what he was supposed to do, guess what he was to his father? He was worthy. But the youngest son, who lived the type of life that he wanted to live, but he realized his sin and came back home and repented, guess who else was just as worthy as that man? His younger brother. So now here's some application for us. If you believe that you are unworthy, you're still looking too much at yourself. You see, your worthiness is not found in what you do. Your worthiness is found in Christ. Here's a couple of verses just for sake of time. We're not going to go to all of these, but I'm going to reference these. And there's plenty more, but I just picked four. I'm going to reference these and you guys can write these down and look at this later. But look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. That verse says, therefore, anyone that is, notice our phrasing, anyone that is in Christ, what is this man? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, all things are become new. Sounds like a worthy person, doesn't it? Sounds like a person that's good enough, doesn't it? Romans 8, chapter, verse number 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are, what's our phrase? In Christ. Sounds like a worthy person, right? Sounds like a good enough person. Galatians 2.20, one of our favorite verses I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, talking about in Christ, who loved me and who gave himself for me. Doesn't that sound like that's someone who thinks they're good enough? And who's talking here? Paul. What did Paul used to do before? Kill Christians. But even though Paul had a terrible past, because he understands there's no condemnation in Christ, because he understands that anybody that is in Christ is totally new now, he understands I'm worthy. He understands that. Then Romans 6.11. So you must also consider yourselves dead in sin, but alive. Notice our phrase. In Christ Jesus. So do you notice the common denominator between all four of those verses? It's all in Christ. So now here's my question. So if you are a Christian, why are you walking around believing that Christ didn't make you worthy? Why are you walking around believing that Christ didn't? What else can Christ do? to make you feel worthy. 
He's done. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. He left heaven, Philippians 2. He suffered. He he was despised. He was rejected. He was mocked. He was spit upon. He had to carry that heavy cross up there to Golgotha. He had to stay there and get nailed to the cross. And you still say it's not good enough? You're worthy. See, being good enough, being worthy for God, being good enough, being worthy for other people, it's not about what you do. The Lord expects you to work. The Lord expects you to grow. The Lord expects you to study. But he's not saying, well, Jordan studied more, so he's more worthy than you. Your worthiness in Christ is found in Christ. Your worthiness is not found in the long list of things. Your worthiness is found because Christ loved you and you accepted him. So now, as we think about it, being good has nothing to do with what you do. Being good, being worthy is everything that he did. So let's not walk around as Christians with each other and with God, and let's not disrespect that sacrifice. Let's not disrespect the thing that he did to make us worthy. Jesus said we're a high priest. Jesus said that we're heirs. So walk around like you are. But here's the thing. Maybe you continue to give the excuse in your own mind. Well, you just don't know. I just don't feel. I just don't believe. Right? You might be saying all these things within yourself, right? Is it possible that maybe you don't feel worthy because you don't know what Christ has really done for you? Is it also possible that you don't feel worthy because maybe you're not as close to Christ as you should be? We're going to hit that point later, but that's just a little teaser as we move forward. So number one, being good has nothing to do with your merits. Being good is believing what Christ did for you and understanding that he made us worthy. He expects us to work. It's not an excuse for us not to do anything. He expects us to study. He expects us to grow. He expects us to do all these things because he said it and he left commandments. But our worthiness is not found in those things and in our works. Our worthiness is found in Christ. Then number two, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Here's another thing we might say. Well, they're better than, so that means I'm not good enough. They are better than, so that means I'm not good enough. See, many use their, um, many use their situation and many use their past to say that they're not good enough for Christ, but they're also not good enough for the followers of Christ because essentially they see them as better than us. Right. They see them as as better than us. So here's the thing, as we learn, even in Luke 15, no one is better than someone else in Christ, because if you think about it from that example in that text in Luke 15, if you look at it just from the surface, who would everybody think was better? The oldest son who never sinned or the youngest son who sinned and came back? Well, the oldest son never did anything wrong, so he's better. There's nobody better than somebody else in Christ. And I truly believe as Christians, we truly believe that there's a better system. Well, he's always been here. 
he's grown up in Christ. She's grown up in Christ. So he or she is better than me. Well, I've sinned. I've had a past. I've done bad things. I've done these things. So there's no way that I can be them because they've got a head start. They're better. No one is better than someone else in Christ. If that's the case, then how come the father in Luke 15 didn't say that the older son was better than the youngest son? He told both of them, I accept you both. Someone else may have studied more. Someone else may have matured a little bit quicker in Christ. But the question becomes, how do you think they did that? How do you think someone else grew? And how do you think someone else matured just a little bit faster in Christ? By saying they're not good enough, right? They actually put in the time. And they put in the effort to know Jesus. You know, you know, that's the thing, guys. It takes time and it takes effort to know him. And so the more that you get to know Jesus, the more that you stop looking at yourself, the more you start looking at, man, he did all this for me. So you will do anything for him because now you truly understand what he did. See, we, we keep Jesus on the surface. Well, he died for us. He did all that. We know this and we talk about it, but we really don't understand the depth and the love and the sacrifice and the pain and the rejection and all the things that Jesus did for us. The more you understand what he did, the more you'll understand, I want to do everything he wants me to do. So maybe we're saying that we're not good enough. Because we really haven't spent enough time knowing Jesus. Look at this. Look at here's a couple of verses I want you to look at. First one is First uh, John chapter two. First John chapter two, and da, 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 look at verse three. Again, keep that phrase in mind. So, what was our first phrase? First phrase was everything was found in Christ. Notice the second phrase is one word. No, K N O W, not N O, but K N O W. Okay. So look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. So in Christ, here are some things that we can know. Verse number 3, and hereby, actually, no, no, no. Let's start in verse, start verse 2 of chapter 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hereby, we do know. So in Christ, when you know something, Guess what knowing something gives you? It gives you confidence. So if you're in Christ and you understand, guess what? You can know. So what else? What can I know? I can know that he died for my sins. That's the first one. But then the second one. So hereby we know. That's the first thing that we know. But second, we can also know him. If we keep his commandments. So the closer that you study, the closer that you keep his commandments in scripture, you can know him. Isn't that amazing? That you can know Christ. So these phrases that we just throw out here and that we kind of throw to people. I don't. I want to be careful how I say this. Um. It's hard for me to 
it's hard for me to accept the idea that we can't know Christ. And if you're if you're a Christian and you walk around and say that you're not worthy, guess what that tells me? Guess what that tells other people? Well, maybe we don't know Christ as much as as often as we should. Because here's what I don't understand. I think sometimes and again, I'm trying to be careful here. I think sometimes we use our situations as scapegoats. And what I mean by that is well, you don't understand this is really bad what I did. You don't understand, you know, I just can't be better. You don't understand I can't. So that excuse would be 100% valid if it was not for Paul. I would believe you if it was not for Paul. Because Paul was the worst of the worst. But Paul wrote all of these books that we're talking about. About knowing Christ. About having faith. About knowing him. About being worthy. He's the one that wrote these. So I would believe you if it was not for Paul. But because Paul said these things and because of we know how much of a savage that he was, it's hard for me to believe when people tell me that now. Because if Paul could go through the things that he's gone through and Paul could still say I'm crucified with Christ and I live and and Paul could still say that I'm worthy and Paul could still say there's no condemnation in Christ and Paul could still say I know him and Paul could say these and Paul can say I can do all things. If Paul can say all these things, then maybe it's not the word that's messed up. Maybe it's us just not wanting to do what the Bible says. So I can't, I don't want to say I can't accept, but it's hard for me to, to believe that that's what people want to do. It's hard. Now, I understand to get over past, to get over certain things, to get over family situations. I understand you can't just wish it away. You know, I understand that it's a difficult process, but don't you think it was hard for Paul too? Don't you think it was hard for Paul? And for me personally, we don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, okay? And I think it's it's better that we don't know. But in my opinion, I believe Paul's thorn in the flesh was not physical. I believe Paul's thorn in the flesh was mental. Because think about this. Whenever you, whenever you, uh, you know, Paul said he he did what he did before in good conscience. So he thought he was doing the right thing by killing Christians. So when Paul was doing this, Paul probably found enjoyment in doing what he did before. But now in Christ, imagine you saving hundreds and thousands of people. And in my mind, just for me, every person that I save, that, that I help to come to know Christ, not me saving, but every person that I help to know Christ, I would think about the ones that I've killed. That would be a mental strain on me. And so think about how hard it would have been for Paul to continuously tell himself, I'm not worthy. But Paul said in Philippians, he said, but this one thing that I do, Paul said, I look forward. So maybe the Christians that always say in different variations and whatever excuse they want to bring up, all those Christians that say these things, maybe we spend too much time looking back and being around people in our past when we should be looking forward. 
If Paul can do it, why can't we? I truly believe because we really don't want to. So John said we can know him. Then look at this. Look at what else Paul wrote. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3. And again, look at what Paul said. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. The first phrase in the Bible or in the, in the text. That I may know him and I can know the power. So Paul understood that the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, Paul understood that the power of God was better than his past. So guess what we need to understand as Christians? That the power of God, the power of Jesus resurrecting, the power of his fellowship is better and bigger and will always be better and bigger than my past, and it will always be better and bigger than my situation that I'm in. But those that constantly give the excuse really don't believe that. Because if you did, you would be like Paul. I know him. <laughs> wow. Then look at the last one. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 14. There's so many more we could have we could have went to, guys, but just for sake of time, I didn't have. I don't want this to be like a three-hour pod. <laughs> so look at verse 14 of John chapter 10. Oh, this is good. Oh, oh. So watch this. So Paul just said, I can know him, right? John just said, I can know him. Watch this. Now Jesus says it. John 10 verse 11 or verse 14. I am the good shepherd. Watch this. I know my sheep. Watch this. And I'm known of my sheep. So if Jesus knows us, then wouldn't it only be fair for us to have the opportunity to know him? So why would Jesus know us but not give us the opportunity to know him? Now watch this. So when we say, they're better than, than me, so I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy, so I'm not good enough. Jesus knows you, but you haven't spent the time to know him. So the people that we think are better than, they actually do know Jesus. But they want you to know him like they do. So let me tell you guys something. As we talk about this topic of they are better than me, so I'm not good enough. <clears throat> I'll tell you something about myself as a preacher of the gospel. Okay. I have sinned. I have failed God. I have failed brethren. I've let people down. Sometimes I doubt myself. Sometimes I doubt God. Sometimes I lack faith. Sometimes I want to give up. But despite all of that, I still know him. And despite my sin, despite failing God, despite failing my brethren, despite letting people down and doubting God and lacking faith and giving up, I'm not going to use none of that junk 
as an excuse to say I'm not good enough. Not happening. I can know him, even despite my failures. So you can walk around and believe that you're not good enough all you want to. And everybody around you up to this point has pretty much probably accepted that lame excuse. But I'm not, I can't. Forget about me. Jesus is not going to accept that. Jesus is not going to accept that. So guys, despite your failures, know him, man. Know him. You are good enough. You are worthy. It's an amazing thing that Jesus has done. And for us to have the audacity to just keep making these excuses... It's going to be hard for those people that do that on the day of judgment. And can you imagine? I mean, it's just, <clears throat> I'm kind of shaking thinking about it right now, man. Can you imagine everybody else in your family, everybody else around you, always just accepting your excuse of why you're not good enough or whatever? But can you imagine, man, on the day of judgment and Jesus looking at you with tears in his eyes? And Jesus saying, so why don't you tell me why you didn't think you were good enough? <laughs> Man, bro, I can't. I don't even know. I don't even know. But I don't I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to answer that question, man. For me, I, I just need to accept that I've sinned. I need to accept that I failed. I need to accept that I failed. I need to accept that I've let people down. And move forward and get better. There's no reason to wallow in that. Because Jesus has power. And because we're in Christ. There's so many blessings. But you got to know him. And know him comes from studying. So then here's the third one. I'm just not good enough Jordan. I mean I'm just. I'm just not. You know I'm just not good enough. I'm not worthy. Being good enough has nothing to do with your. With what you do. Number two. Well they're better than me. So I'm not good enough. Then number three, here's how we're going to close it. <clears throat> I'd rather be comfortable and not change, so I'm not good enough. In my personal experience in preaching over over the the past four years, and then also, uh, you know, during my time learning, and also during my time following Dad everywhere, you know, I've been in every meeting. I've just I've seen so many things, and in my experience. Some people in the church, they really do believe with all of their heart that they're not good enough, okay? But then for some, they use that I'm not good enough as an excuse to really get out of something that scares them. See, not being good enough, it actually stems from fear. A fear of rejection, a fear of losing something. A fear of being ridiculed because you actually want better for yourself and other people don't want it. Look at this last text, y'all. Luke 18. Luke 18. And look at verse 23 and 24. Now again, understanding the text, rich young ruler came to Christ. 
What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not do all these things. And the young man said, well, I've been doing all this since my youth. And Jesus said, one thing that you like, give everything to the poor and come follow me. Now watch this, verse 23 and 24. And when the young man heard this, he was very sorrowful. Why? Because he was very rich. And when Jesus heard, and when Jesus saw that, he was very sorrowful. How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Isn't it ironic? The rich man didn't want to give up his riches because the text didn't say he was rich. He was very rich. So he would keep God's commands until it told him to give something up. You see, I think there's a lot of Christians like that today. They'll do all the commands, but I can't do this one. I can't give that up. So he was very sorrowful. See, here's, here's the ironic thing. Number one, the rich man was very sorrowful because of the fear of losing something. But notice number two, Jesus was also very sorrowful. Well, why was Jesus sad? Because Jesus knew that he could actually give the rich man more. <laughs> wow. So now think about this. Every single time that you make some, some type of excuse that I'm not good enough, I'm not this, they're better, whatever, you essentially walk away sorrowful from Christ or from good people. But then no one really ever looks on the flip side. So when you make your excuse and you walk away, Guess what Jesus and guess what the sheep of Jesus do? They look at you, walk away, and they cry. Because the thing that you didn't want to give up could have gave you more. Mm. Mm. Imagine Jesus standing there, man. He walks away. And he said, I could have given you way more than what you even have now. But you walked away. And that's why Jesus said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter in the, into the kingdom of God? Here's one thing I want to leave you guys with. <clears throat> Talking about being comfortable. I'd rather be comfortable and not change so I'm not good enough. Here's a phrase, and I would give him credit if I knew his name. Um but he does a, a kind of a, a business thing um, on YouTube. But he mentioned this. <laughs> it's so good. And I think this applies for us. In terms of being comfortable, he said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. If you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got. So if you've been walking around as a Christian 
and making excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse, you'll always get what you've always got. If you walk around as a Christian and believe that you're not worthy, believe you can't get better, believe that others are always better, always look at your situation, always look at what's going wrong, you'll always get what you've always got. And in my experience, those that give these excuses are the ones that are the most passionate about getting out of their situation. They always want better for themselves because they see what their situation and where their dynamic has gotten them. And they're the ones that always want better. But it's ironic. The ones that always want better for themselves will never do what it takes to get better. And so they'll find themselves, they grow up, and they do the exact same thing in their situation that they wanted to run away from. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Guys, please, I'm, I'm begging you. Let's change your mind, man. Change your mindset. And the only way you're going to do that is you have to know Christ better. It's, it's not about me. It's not about what I say. It's about you have to know him. And the more confidence that you have in Jesus, it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what other people think of you. The more confidence that you have in Christ, the more confidence you'll have in yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. That's junk. You are. So I hope that you'll be able to walk around with a better attitude, that you'll develop a better attitude, and quite frankly, that you need to repent if you have been walking around with that attitude. Because you got to get better, and I got to get better. Man, oh, dude. I was, uh, this was crazy. This is such a good study, man. I saw so much in here, and there's still much I want to look at. But again, if you guys ever need anything, if you need help, if you want to study this more on worthiness, you know, you can hit me up on, on any of my social media. If you have my number, you can hit me up, um, you know, just to talk about this type of worthiness. Um, because we, in order to do what the Lord wants us to do, we have to understand his sacrifice. We have to understand what it brings. And so as we study and we learn, we just want to get better and we just want to help each other get better. So again, thank you guys so much for being here. Um, we will be back again, Lord willing next week with another podcast. Again, you can find the podcast anywhere you can find it and we will see you all next week. Thank you guys.